I'm Lisa Marie, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. You've just melted all the fans. <laughs> we will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message that brings your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Ah, there it is. Ha-ha! Wow. Okay. I lost everything on my screen all of a sudden, including the button that said, now your microphone's on. (laughs) Nice job, Dome. Hey, not a problem. Starting the year off right. Absolutely. The first (laughs) TalkCast of 2013, and it's Lucky 13, and it's all mine. With TalkCast 165, normally I would say our guest tonight is, except our guest tonight isn't. Mike Lent could not be with us tonight. We will reschedule him as quickly as possible, which means in lieu of him, we get to talk for an hour. So. <laughs> that was so difficult. Like we can't do that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, to introduce the cast for 2013 which is essentially the same cast that was in 2012, uh, from the Revere Time Vortex, the soundboard vixen and queen of petroleum byproducts, telling us what her favorite part of the last year was, it's Kriana. I think it was having my cursed magic ring stolen by a hobbit. But the ring doesn't really do anything. Not really. Does that make you invisible? Sometimes. Yeah. Till it betrays you. <laughs> and make you a crack addict. <laughs> <laughs> or <Right>. Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole series of in-jokes happening here that we'll get to in a moment. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the Tank Dungeon reading room, she's cool, she's calm, she's collected, and her favorite thought about 2012 Zombrarian was... Jennifer Lawrence was in a lot of magazines wearing not a lot of clothes. And I think we can all agree that was not a bad thing. That was an excellent Agree. 2012. <laughs> Agree. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the lovely ingenue, undead, and loving it, her favorite moment of 2012, the dead redhead, was... They shut down every bit of production on any Wonder Woman TV show that they were going to start. Except... The new one that they're starting to produce. (laughs) Which we actually purposely kept from you. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, we promised not to say anything in front of you, but now you've fought. I crushed your dreams, Dead Redhead. I'm sorry. I am Dome, and my favorite part of 2012 was not getting a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Let them be. Yeah. Thank you, Michael Bay, for killing that project. 
Yeah. Oh, if you'd only been able to kill a few more of your own projects, we'd have been much happier. Uh, Not saying anything, just saying. So anyhow. It's the first person this year that won't be on our show. <laughs> so we're starting and with it wasn't show. even me. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it wasn't even George R.R. Mighton. George the Pirate Martin. Instead, you know who really won't be on our show? Who really won't be on our show? I'm guessing it's probably J.J. Abrams. Well, it also starts with J. It's J.R. Tolkien. There's a real good reason he's not going to be on. He's dead. I have it on good authority that he's a huge fan. He just can't. He doesn't. He doesn't understand this guy. Have you been on Medium lately? Is Medium still a thing? We need a, a Medium to help us with that Skype call. Exactly, exactly. But it is J.R.R. Tolkien's 121st birthday today. Holy crap! Is he old? He's old. allowed to drink now. Yes. Formaldehyde, evidently. That's so funny. No, I think 121. You can do crack legally. <laughs> if you get there, they're just like, whatever, man. <laughs> say, isn't, isn't that your uh, uh, dirt from the homeland uh, anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> I don't just think Clark has a card for that yet. <laughs> Congratulations. If you can open the envelope, you get another year. <laughs> No, that's horrible. <laughs> and yet we're all laughing at it. And yet it's good. It's funny, but it's horrible. But it's funny, but it's horrible. Anyway, happy birthday, Tolkien. I'm glad you don't have to see this Hobbit movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to do that now? We may as well. You've led into it. Half oh, wait, cast are you saying, wait a minute. Did you just say I had a good, a good segue? Someone in our cast has never actually read The Hobbit. Yeah, I did. I think we need to. I think we need to chat about that because it's not a difficult book to read. It is not. Yeah. And and it's fairly entertaining. And your point. And I think you're a slacker. <laughs> That's my point, right well, there. Tough darts. That being said, two people in the cast have seen the movie. Two people have not. This will not, however, be a spoiler-free review. Wait, Dead Feel Redhead. Free to spoil whatever you want. Ted Redhead, you haven't seen it yet? Well, okay, look. How many years ago did the book... You ask a question and don't wait for the answer. Wait a minute. How long ago did the book come out? Uh, 121 years. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like... No, not quite that much. He wrote, it, he wrote it when he was 12. Saying spoiler alert is so fucking redundant here. I, I don't even know what to do. However... No, I said this no, was not a spoiler-free review. So, so really, three of us have seen it, and you're the odd man out, Tom. Screw me. Too bad. Pretty much, I guess. That's what's going on. You haven't even read the book. You don't even know what a hobbit is. No, I don't. And you know what? I'm at the point of totally not caring. It's been so beaten I can, to death. I can give you um, the Dead Redhead Mother's review. <laughs> I want to hear this. I want to hear this. What did she say? Put your seatbelts on. Go for it. <laughs> That Martin Freeman, he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> he is cute. Oh my gosh, Grandma Zombarian said the same thing after watching the trailer. Wow. He just kept sitting there. 
that one was in this show, and that one was in that show, and I watched that show. Well, Martin Freeman was in Sherlock, and he's fabulous in Sherlock. Actually, he's in yeah. a couple things that he's very fabulous in. But not like this fabulous. Fabulous. Just fabulous. I liked him as Bilbo. He was a fantastic Bilbo. I think he brought a lot of heart to the character. I agree. That being said... I was going to say, okay... This is not the Hobbit your daddy didn't read. (laughs) You see what I did there? No, I ignored it. Moving forward. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's not really the Hobbit per se as a a movie loosely based around certain events and the characters that are in the Hobbit and some characters that aren't in the Hobbit, some characters that just sort of came out of Peter Jackson's anus. (laughs) A lot of it's rainbow. None of it is from the Silmarillion. I thought it was because uh, X came home and started digging through the Silmarillion to show me where there were things that he took it from. Well, if X were here, I'd call him a dipshit because they they came from the appendices a little bit. Some of it. And some of them are some of the characters are like two characters glommed together. Other characters are like the same character but in two characters and this like weird twin thing, but they're not conjoined. And <laughs> and there's a moose. And and there's yeah, Thranduil rides a moose for oh, some moose. reason. There's moose riding. <laughs> because they clearly don't have horses in that forest. A very very small moose, I have to point out. Yeah, it was quite a slender moose. I really doubt it could have supported an adult human. Like, you have to admit Sylvester McCoy was wicked cool. Which one was that? The 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 crazy one in the forest there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Radagast. Rad- he was fantastic. Radagast the brown. That that was an added scene that really added to the film. However, there were some added films that sort of some added scenes that sort of detracted. I've met him before. Only, only sort of detracted. Guy. Only sort of. I mean, I feel like they got a lot of the way through the story in the one movie, and there are two movies left to go. <laughs> I think they only got like the first few chapters done. No, they got like half the book. Well, they went through the trolls, and Bilbo only already has the ring, and hmm. we didn't get to the barrels yet. No, not yet. So there's that whole Mirkwood sequence that we have to go through, right? And then the whole dragon thing. So we'll see how that goes. But I think the way that they portrayed the dwarves was very nice. Several several things definitely got upgrades. The orcs were upgraded. The uh-huh. dwarves were certainly upgraded. Uh-huh. Gollum was very upgraded. I have to say, we came home from The Hobbit and watched The Fellowship of the Ring and The Two Towers, and it was immediately apparent how upgraded Gollum was. I agree. We saw it on, on whatever channel was showing it 24-7 over that weekend. And... <laughs> Um, I agree with you. When we when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, this looks better. I guess they're supposed to be younger, and they do look younger and stuff. They did. First of all, they did a fantastic job de-aging Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. Really good job. Second oh, of all, gosh. great job de-aging Martin there as Bilbo. Third of all, <clears throat> they added face muscles into Gollum that weren't yes. there before. Like especially under his eyes, I really noticed it. And he's just 100% more expressive. 100%. K- 
cannot I I say agree. enough how, how great that was. That being said, there were a couple things I really didn't like. Did anyone else see that one viral video that came out a little while ago? And I swear this had us a hobbit point to it. Uh, where a golden eagle supposedly picks up a toddler. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Yeah, so being a nerd, I know it's hard to believe Kriana is a nerd. I I read science blogs, and one of the science blogs that oh I read brought in an ornithologist to debunk this movie. And the first thing they said was, "Golden eagles don't make that sound." <laughs> Every single theatrical production which shows a raptor, which is a bird of prey of any type uses the sound of a red-tailed hawk because it sounds really impressive. It's a scream it's a scream you hear every time you fire up the Colbert rapport. It's not really the sound that eagle makes. It's a red-tailed hawk. And so there's also at the bottom of this a video of what a golden eagle actually sounds like. And I imagine golden eagles I think being the largest of eagles, I think. I'm not sure about that. Right. Not 100% positive. Oh. Don't quote me on that one. But that's what the, the Tolkienian eagles should probably sound like. Well, they peep it's like baby... less than impressive, isn't They it? peep <laughs> like baby chicks. <laughs> it's the least threatening sound I think I've ever heard in my life. It's like, peep peep Now I'm going to rip your throat out. <laughs> well, that's how they pull you into complacency. I guess it is. But now, whenever I hear the red-tailed hawk and what's on the screen is not a red-tailed hawk, it makes me crazy. Ah. Uh, Fast forward to the film. I, I start hearing the, the opening credits of um, Northern Exposure in my head every time I hear uh-huh. it. Uh-huh, yeah. But there are red-tailed hawks there. That's okay, right? No, but that's not what they show when... Yeah, that's not. Oh. They showed the. What do they show? Like an owl or something? An owl? Yeah. That's they just really turn, odd. You hear, you hear the ah, and then they da 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 da. Like that's just day. ridiculous. That that's even worse. So anyhow, the point of this was. All right, but the CGI on the eagles was really nice. Okay. <laughs> And and can I just say that I got to see my dreamboat Hugo Weaving? Oh my God, Hugo Weaving was fantastic. Who they I also did a Hugo really Weaving. really good job de aging. They really did. And yep. did a good job doing it subtly. And I love Hugo Weaving. I agree what, with you, Dead Redhead. That's what drove me nuts about the movie was that there were some things where the CGI and the makeup were so good and so subtle that you didn't notice it and then all of a sudden you're faced with Bomber who's the fat dwarf who looks like a midget in a fat suit (laughs) (laughs) with prosthetics glued to him clumsily by a drunk seven year old like some of it is bad and Maybe um, they put him on Peter Jackson. All right, well, ha- have your pony that. rant now. I let everyone else talk without interrupting a lot. <laughs> um, a little, not a lot. I did notice, and this, and some of the CGI, especially with the animals, was really awkward, and it pulled me right out of the movie in these awful, jarring, horrible ways. Like, I was really, really enjoying the dwarf song at the very beginning. Oh, yes. The mountain song. 
and I'm and I was sitting there listening to it, and it was gorgeous. And I opened my eyes right the wrong minute, and one of the dwarves was on screen, and the makeup was just so bad. And all of a sudden, I was thinking about, oh my gosh, that's some terrible makeup, and not noticing the song anymore and that made me sad and also Kriana's gonna yell at me but this did really bother me because in the first few movies they didn't have all the technology to do it but they worked really hard and did a really good job carrying the forced perspective um so that it wasn't jarring yes and in the scene where they're all riding their ponies through the forest I mean, these are all, you know, normal-sized human actors. You can't actually put them on a pony. They will, number one, look ridiculous, and number two, hurt the ponies. (laughs) So what they did was they put them on normal horses, but then all they did to these horses was glue some fake hair to them. Like, they basically gave the horses hair extensions, and (laughs) they don't look like horses. They don't look like ponies. They look like horses with hair glued to them because the hair, like, stops halfway up their neck and it just didn't bother with their heads and they didn't and ponies have a different body shape and it was just it was one of those things where I was like you know if you were gonna bother making this a three film thing and if you were going to bother doing the forced perspective you have to do it at least as well as you did it in the last three and it I was disappointed in that Speaking um, of which, can I can I jump sorry, in? Just, and that was no, my whole rant. No, Good jumping rant. on what you were saying though. But when, um, as I said, after we had seen it, we came home, and I want to. I don't know if it was TNT or somebody had Lord of the Rings on like twenty four seven. I don't. I can't remember which channel it was. So we had it on, and there was this weird thing that happened with our because we have an HD television set and it was supposed to be an HD HD channel but when you watched it whatever channel it was there were points where the sets looked so fake i mean you could see the outline edges of where all the CGI stuff was it was really strange hmm. okay that's so- weird but i think i speak for everyone here when i say i'm very pleased by sebastian's safe recovery yes yes that was my favorite part of the movie was that Sebastian lived. Sebastian is awesome. I hope okay, you so the other at two. this point, uh, from the three of you, from one to five, five being fucking amazing, one being, are you serious? I wouldn't spend another nickel on it. How do you rate the film, Kriana? Uh, four. Wow. Zombrarian. Solid three and a half enjoyable, but I don't know that I should have paid money to go to the theater and see it. Dead Redhead? I'll give it a four. I'm glad I saw it on a big screen, because I don't think it would look the same. I'm gonna go see it in 3D high frame rate next. <laughs> I heard Maybe it's the 3D scary. high frame rate helps the things I had an issue with, too. I've seen it. I've talked to a number of people who saw it in both, and said the high frame rate uh, version seem to be a much more enjoyable visual experience for them. I'm not sure exactly why. Well, because I bet it smoothed out a lot of the problems I had with the CGI looking fake. Probably could have, yeah. Moving on! Uh, No! Not yet. 
Okay. Brianna wants an excuse to keep eating scones. I know. This is the tea party that never ends. It's the unexpected tea party. I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. Leave Bilbo alone. Leave him alone. So there's a trailer that's uh, come out by a group called Honest Trailers. No, it's a group called Screen Junkies. Get it right. Screen Junkies. Go ahead. Well, tell us about it. All right. The Screen Junkies do Honest Trailers, among, I guess, other things. And they have an epic announcer. Whose voice I really can't do. The movie phone announcer, essentially. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, apparently they've been bothered for years and years to do a Lord of the Rings trailer. I will say, before they came out with the Lord of the Rings trailer, I watched their Titanic, their Avengers, and a couple of their Twilight trailers, and they are fucking hilarious. I just watched their Hunger Games trailer right before the show, and I almost missed the opener because I was laughing so hard. Did you pee yourself, (laughs) Zombrarian? What? Did you pee yourself, Zombrarian? No, but I came really close. So, everyone needs to go and watch their trailer for Lord of the Rings because it's the most hysterical thing I've ever seen. It was very funny. It, it's it's pretty damn funny. I Except guess. for Liv Tyler as Arwen, because that was more funny. <laughs> oh, snap! Add her to the... <laughs> Add her to the list! Our first person who will not be coming for the year 2013, Liv Tyler. We actually No, she's the second live. one. The first one was... Wait, who was the first one? George R. 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 Martin? No, no, no. No, no, it wasn't George R. 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 Martin. It was someone Dome said. Michael Bay? Michael yeah, Bay. Michael Bay. Right. Michael Bay. We've actually gone through four. You know what? His name rhymes with Chardonnay, which is exactly what you need to get through one of his films. Oh! Double not coming. Uh... Okay, so here's somebody else who's not going to be on the show. J.J. <laughs> J. Abrams. Yeah. Who announced yeah. this week that even though Disney had come to him, he's not interested in producing or directing any of the Star Wars movies. So everybody can now breathe a sigh of relief. Except that Disney approached him. That we can still worry about. Yeah, I, oh, I'm come a- on. They're, they have so much money, they're just going to go over whoever the director-producer du jour is. Well, if they're really going to do that, who wouldn't want to see Joss Whedon do the next Star Wars movie? That may be the only way that it's permissible to do more Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I thought about it, and I thought, <clears throat> who would make a better new Luke Skywalker than Nathan Fillion? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so, Jet Redhead. Yes. I think this is our new poll. I think Nathan Fillion would be a better Han Solo. Oh my god, I that would be amazing, too. Wait, wait, let's just say that Nathan Fillion could play whoever he damn well wanted, and it would be amazing. What if he was Chewbacca, then he'd have to be in a suit. What no, if, we don't want... What if he was Leia and he wore a dress? That would, that would be, be funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, no matter what character he picks, it's gonna be amazing. Now, how about this one? We pick the cast would... Firefly, the entire cast, and move them into Star Wars. Oh, so we would make the best Leia. She'd be so kick ass. Oh hell yeah! 
Zoe is Leia? Really? Yeah. Really? How about Zoe is because... Princess Amidala? Yeah. Oh, God, no. Well, she's dead in the extended universe, so that doesn't mm-hmm. work. Actually, I could see Zoe as a kick-ass Mara Jade. Yes. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. And then we could have Kaylee be Leia. Which would also be good. <laughs> Kaylee yeah, is Amidala would have to be Leia. what's her name there. No, Amidala doesn't oh. exist. She doesn't exist. She's, she's dead. dead. She's that. dead, Jim. She's dead, Jim. So we can leave J.J. Abrams to screwing up the Star Trek universe. She's which... dead, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> which, bring, which brings oh, us to all the <laughs> pictures and trailers that we're seeing for the Star Trek Two Electric Boogaloo, whatever. Kill me oh. now! Really, it does not look like fun. How about this? I've seen the trailers and I can't wait for Pacific Rim. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there was a point in time when the even Star Trek movies would come out and you go, yeah, we got to wait for the next one because the even ones all suck. Um, no, no, that's wrong. The odd ones suck. What is wrong with you? No, the reality is when they're J.J. Abrams, they all suck. But I'm bumped. But seriously, the journey home was an even one. That's that's a great one. No, the very first one was an odd one, and it was con was two. Yeah, the even ones are the good ones. Don't you know anything, Dome? You taught me this. I know nothing. Is this Alzheimer's? What's going on? You know nothing, Dome. Winter is coming. You know nothing, Dome. I've been I've been infected I've been bitten by a memory worm. It's the truth. What can I tell you? <laughs> having, having seen this, the uh, Doctor Christmas special this year. Yes. Ow. I have three words for you. Clara, Clara Oswin, Oswin Oswald. Yes. Holy shit! Because she was adorable. Oh, she was terrific. And it was a like great you know for a change. It was a great story. It was terrific casting. Uh, it was well paced and, and really set up the end of Amy Pond and the beginning of Oswin. Well, they, they incorporated a, a couple of traditions here. Number one, using the old companion's name. So if you remember Martha, her second episode, someone came out with Rose and the doctor got all crazy. And now in this one, they're coming out with Pond. I think actually when Donna left too, someone came out with Noble and he got all misty. Right, but the minute he said the the thing in the pond, and then he just kind of... Well, I I like their one word test. And how and how she could even terrific. How even with one word she could call Vostra out on her bullshit. Second of all, I'm a lizard from the beginning of time and this is my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What? is from actual believe it or not they took that from an, a comic book from an Alan Moore thing um, I'm trying to get the um, the name of it again because I hell yeah it was awesome second of all snow Gandalf also awesome it was Ian McKellen as, as the voice of the snow and really and, and, that- and vampire snowflakes they're silly. I, I love Ian McKellen's inflection. You don't want to talk to them. They're silly. Silly. 
<laughs> it was fantastic. I cannot wait for the second half of the season now. This this setup was just amazing. It's more fun than humans should be allowed to have, seriously. And I, I, I actually liked that instead of kind of making it stand alone, which I did which was nice about the other Christmas specials. I didn't mind that they were standalone, but I did love that they set up the arc for the rest yes, of the season yes. in the Christmas episode. Absolutely. And like and it's not an arc that and it wasn't too complicated a setup, but now they don't have to drag out an entire episode of let's set up what we're doing this season. It's but right. They're going to be able to get cooler. right into it. What's even cooler is that it was totally unexpected because that's not what you expect from a Christmas episodes. You right. expect them to be standalone. You don't expect to see uh, characters and, and icons and, and the things that mark transitions between, uh, between Rose Tyler and, and the other companions. You don't expect to see those at that point. You know, you expect it to be this cool little episode that stands alone. And this did the best of both. Mm-hmm. It really did. It was it was a very impressive thing. Oh, oh souffle name? girl, I love you. <laughs> the name of the comic is Cobweb. If you go to um, Amazon, you can find them. They were in his Tomorrow Stories set. But it was a, a set, a, uh, an ongoing... Um, not a full comic, but just like an ongoing story called Cobweb, and it was like this sexy detective-y person, and she wore see-through purple 90s a lot and stuff. But. I, I really want Vastra to come back. And Jenny. I want Vastra and Jenny to stick around. Even Strax. He was funny. Like, don't be clever. It doesn't but suit you. Know. You. <laughs> you know. I, my job is to be clever. Your job is to be a potato. That's right. Oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> you know what Strax was in that no episode? Funny. He's the new canine. Oh, could well be. Yeah. But canine is much smarter. Canine <laughs> was smarter, but he's kind of the comic relief assistanty. Yes. The doctor needs his help, but doesn't need him per se. Yeah. It, but have, like have we finally found a companion who's smarter than the doctor, though? Because she's like, run away. Why would I run away? I know what's going to happen next, and it's funny. There's <laughs> some great lines, some great character movement. Uh, watching the doctor move from mourning the loss of Amelia to coming back to who he is and what he becomes. It was, it was a nice transitional piece, well played, well written, well produced. Uh, mm -hmm. Just all in all, possibly the best Christmas episode of the new series that we've seen. And also, memory worms. I really hope that they let him keep the coat or the hat or both. Either <laughs> one. Either <laughs> one is fine. Hat. And fun factoid that Kriana keeps getting mad at me because I've brought it up like 17 times. Make it 18. Go for it. 18 is whenever they introduce a new hat um, in the story, they have to actually write it in and then write it out of the script or Matt Smith will not let it go because he loves the hats so much. Which brings us to the 18th time that's been mentioned and the halfway <laughs> point of the show. At which 
point, we talk about this week's two week in this particular case yep. Facebook poll. We did. Take it away, we did. Dead Redhead. And what we gave people to think about for two weeks because we and they just did it again on on Siffy. Um, they always show the Twilight Zone marathon, and we know people love that. But instead of going for the Twilight Zone episode, because we've already asked that in the past, I asked people what their favorite Richard Matheson story was so that we could go beyond Twilight Zone and actually get into some of his other work. For anybody who's not really read a lot of Richard Matheson, he is one of the most brilliant sci-fi horror writers that we've ever had. He is so prolific. He's like the Asimov of the horror script field, if you will. He's just written so, so much and won so many awards. And his son has also followed in his footsteps. And he's a, a very good writer in his own right, Richard Christian Matheson. But we asked everybody to name what was their favorite. And we had a our usual tie. We had a tie for third place. And it was a tie between... The uh, I Am Legend, the, and again, this is not the movie, folks. This is not... Thank God! Movie. I Am Legend and The Legend of Hell House, which actually, the book is kind of scary if you read it. Yeah, the movie was kind of lame, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, they just couldn't get it. I mean, there's some really scary, disturbing stuff in the book, and it's really hard to do that back in the 60s when you had no special effects, and yeah. Um, coming in at number two... Uh, the favorite was the uh, speaking of which the uh, Twilight Zone episode of Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet. Whoa! One of my Shatner specials. There we go. Please oh, never Shatner. use that combination of words ever again. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, one Shatner. of the few times William Shatner actually acted. It was wonderful. Did did he really? <laughs> Spot over your top. Stop! Oh, sorry. <laughs> And the number one favorite of Richard Matheson, of our fans, was the screenplay for the actual first, The Night Stalker. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I like that one. I actually have seen that. Yes, it was excellent. So thank you, everybody. And we will get a, it sounds like we may have an idea for a poll uh, that we will meld together and have up this weekend. Sounds like a plan, my dear. And at this point, we normally talk to a guest, but we don't have one. So, uh, I'd like to talk about uh, some of the people who uh, died and are or going to die in the next couple of days. Uh, Jerry Anderson died last week. And a lot of you may not know who Jerry Anderson is because you're young punks. <laughs> Get off his lawn. So tell us, young punks, who That's Jerry right. Anderson is. Okay. You may not have heard of Fireball XL5. You might have heard of Thunderbirds. Yes, Thunderbirds are go. The Thundercats of... eat the Thunderbirds. Oh, shush, shush, shush. No, no, no. You may have heard of the, the uh, English TV series UFO. Yay! Or no. Definitely no, not. Have... Oh, come on. UFO had... The best wigs oh, ever. Oh, the best purple hair ever. <laughs> purple oh and gosh. pink hair. Wow. And 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 uh, and, and the first time we had a DeLorean, or yeah, what looked like a DeLorean. A DeLorean. Wow. Right. But I can actually remember uh, 
back when television first was invented, <laughs> watching uh, Thunderbirds and, and Fireball XL5 and all these incredible things. Uh, you know, people, people who were really affected by Jerry Anderson's work were uh, John Barrowman. Uh, Grant Imahara really uh, seemed to enjoy them. He talked about it a lot. Uh, he said he loved Thunderbirds growing up. It's a, a different kind of science fiction in that it was all done or mostly done with puppets. That's right. Or, or what they called marionation, which was marionettes and animation. Never use that combination of words ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use it. They did. That's what they called it. You know who else I bet was influenced was it by was uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker because Team Amer we wouldn't Team have America, Team America right. without having the Jerry Anderson puppets. That's Would that right. be such a bad thing, actually? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Team America was not you know the worst movie it's ever made. Popular though. <laughs> I've got a hundred other ones that are worse than that, but. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to buy me the UFO series box set, feel free to do so. No one does. Yeah. It's floppy. <laughs> but the reality is there's uh, part of my childhood that just went down with the bathwater. Oh, we also lost Jack Klugman. Yeah, and he was big in science fiction, wasn't he? No. Well, he, he was wasn't. on several Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah, he was, actually, uh, but those were the days in which Twilight Zone was actually considered not to be science fiction, but was, you know, in this series of, you know, like Playhouse Theater and uh, those kinds of things at the point where television and theater were kind of a meld. And, but who's dying this week? I can actually tell you who's going to die this week, and that's Peter Parker. You know, nobody wants to talk about this. We've asked some of our friend, our comic book friends to discuss this with us, and they won't. <laughs> Why? Who gives a shit? It's Peter freaking Parker. Uh, well, evidently Aunt May may be concerned with it, but, you know, yeah, it's... really what keeping her alive. I know, right? <laughs> the reality is uh, it's about time to have put him to bed in any case. And... At this point, what has to happen is Stan Lee, there's this, this wonderful picture that uh, we're going to put a link to of Stan Lee shredding Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, and it's about time. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Obviously, Kriana doesn't care. I just, I'm tired of the whole a major, major player in the comic book world dying when everybody knows there's a wink wink after it wink really wink at this uh, point right they, if they're going to kill him they got to kill him and be done with it and it's, it's not like, going to happen yeah it probably I'm hoping it's a Batman like situation comic book titles it's not going to happen yeah it's like Superman was supposed to be dead he wasn't Batman was supposed to be dead several times lately he wasn't he was misplaced in time, or he was just hurt and had to be, you know, as we all know, he got thrown in some stupid pit. Well, um, most people see time as linear, 
But really, it's more of a bolly wally timey wimey. <laughs> Don't blink. No, the, but, I mean, but in several of, like, not in all of the storylines, obviously, because there are so many. But in several of the storylines, Batman has a, a successor. Like, right. it's not Bruce Wayne anymore because um, whoever was writing it, you know, decided to acknowledge the fact that he's a normal dude who happens to have tons of money and martial arts skills and a really, really interesting suit with nipples on it. And an unhealthy obsession with Steve Jobs. <laughs> The reality, the reality is we have two choices here. Uh, <clears throat> in British television series and in, in better American series, uh, they don't have a problem killing someone, even if, it's a major even if it's a major player, because the hacks won't do it. They see they're not going to kill the money tree, as opposed to learning how to write. If... They kill him, and he's dead. It'll be wonderful, because it'll force whoever's doing, whoever's writing this series, to actually write. If they don't kill him, nobody cares. All I can think of now is red shirts. <laughs> yeah. And that first coda of red shirts of, well, you're just, you are a good writer, but you've been writing crap. <laughs> <laughs> John Scalzi, we need you on the show. <laughs> uh, so, Spider-Man may or may not die. If he doesn't die, I'm never going to read him anymore, but I haven't been reading him for years, so I don't think it well, matters. They won't. Like I said, he's got like four or five titles all to himself. They won't kill him off. <sighs> so, about it, the characters will whine in their respective books for a while. And that'll be it. So, Kriana. Yes. Talk to me about Tim Son's new book. Well, we were we already oh, we already talked about stuff. Stuff. Well, I mean, we already talked about Star Wars. Yeah. So. So so we we all right. Well, Timothy Zahn may may in fact write a new Star Wars book. And if you have read Timothy Zahn's Star Wars books, the Thrawn trilogy and duology, he's a fantastic author. He is very clever. He's one of the best people uh, in, who's done Star Wars writing. You know, I wouldn't mind if he wrote some Doctor Who because he thinks of things that are clever, like trees with bark that reacts to your touch and someone's using them for, for spy trees because since they react to touch, they also react to sound since sound is just, you know, compressed air. And as the compressed air hits the tree, it records the sound. How clever is that? It's so clever. He could write Doctor Who. You know he could. Yeah, he probably could. It would be adorable. That's all I have to say. So, so we're going to have a link to the first look Tim Zahn's new Star Wars novel called Scoundrels. Ca called something. Whatever io9 had to say about it. <laughs> Even though we hate them today, apparently. Why do we hate them today? I don't know. Just because... We don't hate them. Well, their, their science articles kind of today. blow. Okay, io9, get better. Yeah, Seriously. Try harder. 
Uh, and Twin Peaks is coming back or isn't coming back, depending on who you listen to at any one time. Well, that's the question. Apparently, there have been there's been scuttlebutt for a couple years, and I know that not all the staff is are Twin Peaks fans. I understand that, but I am a peaky, and I admit it. And apparently, you know, it's been off the air for 22 years at this point. Yeah, it has. Dead, dead redhead, you looked a little peaked the last time I saw you. <laughs> oh, I had to go there. Sorry. So they're saying that there was all this scuttlebutt, and then they were saying that David Lynch was actually talking about bringing it back to television, and now possibly, I think it was NBC? It wasn't ABC. It is NBC. It was originally on ABC, but NBC is saying, hey, David, how would you like to come and get us some ratings for a while or something? And starting it, like... 25 years later after the end of everything so I'm not sure how we're going to resolve all that and some of the cast is dead at this point so I'm not quite sure how they're going to do this but it would simply be interesting and if it's David Lynch I'll watch it so well and hopefully since it's 22 years later and they're going to have a 22 years later show um that'll make it easier to explain well so and so died or moved away or I don't know are they all stuck there well the the last show ended on a cliffhanger where a bomb had just gone off with seven people in a <laughs> <laughs> that's right they just uh, well it's taken the the lead character just got back from hell, and it's actually not the lead character anymore. It's his doppelganger who's trying to set up dating the ex-nun that he was in love with. Um, <laughs> need I go on? <laughs> Do! It's taken them 22 years to rebuild the place after the bomb. It was I a think- much larger bomb than they expected. Well, the problem was that David Lynch had things planned, but they kind of said, nope, we're canceling you, sorry, and and the show. So he kind of ended it the only new way he knew how at the time, which was to blow up the bank with seven people in it, and we don't know if they got out or not. So there's still arguments back and forth over that one. Now I kind of want to watch it. Huh? Now I kind of want to watch it. You really need to go and, and find the original series and yes. just kind of marathon it. Yes, but you do. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, you I did that about dedicated. five years ago, and it, it was creepier uh, than hell. <laughs> you had to pay attention. Of marathoning. Segway. La 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 la. Um, sorry, I interrupted you, Dead Are you done? I I am. Go right ahead. Okay. So speaking of marathoning, um, AMC, starting sometime in February, is going to re-air all 18 episodes that thus far exist of The Walking Ah. Dead in black and white. And now, normally I wouldn't be like, OMG, Walking Dead Marathon, even though I would be like, OMG, Walking Dead Marathon for myself. Um, I find it newsworthy because... The reason they're re-airing it in black and white is to is as kind of a nod or an homage to the fact that they're comics and the comics are all in black and white. That's right. And I think that's really cool that they're giving a nod to the source material because not many um, not many things do that anymore. That's well, true. 
add that to the fact that at this point there have been significant divergence from the source material. That's right. But at the same time, they've kept some really key elements of the source material together. And as far as I can tell, fans of the source material are okay with the changes that have been made. They think like, maybe fine. I'm just not reading the right forums. No, no, no. I'm hearing the, exactly everything's the same. been fine. The Most only thing what people were the only thing people were upset about is how long it took to find out that Sophia was a damn zombie since we all knew it. Get it was the entire season yes. and it was horrible. Yeah. Um, I did hear some vague grumbling after the last episode, uh, the mid-season finale, about the fact that Michonne is not being portrayed as anything but kind of sullen and weird. I am so happy they don't do to Michonne in the show what they did to her in the comic. Do people know what was done to her in the comic? Yes. Yes. I don't think we need to see that on television. I don't either, but I've heard things about the character um, from the comic. And I have to admit, if I did not know those things, I might not like her as much. Because she does come across as kind of like, dude... Just drop the silent act already and tell someone something. <laughs> I, I still think she's very kick-ass. I mean, she's whole- very kick-ass, but like as a character, she's very flat. I don't know. I'm not sure that I go that. I don't get that either. Yeah, I, I guess because her spirit from the comic, I see the young lady who who is portraying her as having that that attitude, that whole. But that's the thing. I feel like if I separate what I know from the comic from what I know from the TV show, I don't get any of her backstory. I don't get a lot of emotion from her. And without, There's a lot of... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, but without her backstory and any emotion, you know, she doesn't portray much emotion. Without those two things, you don't get a good sense for her motivation. For anything. Like the only. When I really started to click with the character. Was when she found the governor's daughter. And she thought it was a live kid. Tied up in there. Because all of a sudden I understood. That she really truly believed. That the governor could be keeping. A live little girl chained up. In a room with a tank full of zombie heads. And that she thought. That he was that kind of person. And that maybe understand her reactions to him more. But before that, she didn't make as much sense to me because I didn't know any of her backstory. I think she portrays a classic abuse victim to me in my eyes. And maybe that's just because of my other life. But from the minute she was on screen, and maybe you're right, maybe it's too hard for me to pull her comic book character away from the show character. That's entirely possible, but I think she just portrays herself as somebody who's been abused for a big chunk of her life. Right, and I think that that's why the thing that you were saying you didn't want to see on TV, Right. Mm -hmm. I think that that's why it was almost important to have that, not necessarily to show it, but at least to to at least imply it and imply it and or I don't know even if there was just the threat of it 
But I think they did that with uh, what's her name there. But that um, was after Michelle. That was after she left. Like there was no way she could have known, really, or had that jump out at her. It, it. If you know anything about the comic book character, you made all the connections rapid fire, and it made sense. But if you know absolutely zero about the comic, I don't think that. It clicked. I don't think you I don't got. Think I don't think you got mm-hmm. a a full sense of what was going on. There were more questions, many more questions, if you didn't know the source material. And I'm not sure that they're ever going to uh, gel them for the people who don't know the source material. So, you know, in that respect, maybe. But I really think this is uh, where they've where they've left off right now, and where they're heading where the second half of, of this season uh, looks really, really impressive. I'm anxious to see the first 18 episodes in black and white, if and only to see whether or not they hold the same kind of impact that they did in color. And I'm thinking that they will. And by the way, watching the Doctor Who marathon on Christmas, does anybody know notice where the governor came from? No, you have to tell us now. The governor is the same one who played, who said he was quote unquote Doctor Who in that when he went back and he was that guy whose kid had been kidnapped by the Cybermen and he became quote unquote Doctor Who with Rosalita. Oh my God. The same actor. Is that really the same actor? Even had to IMDb it because I'm like, Oh my God, is that him? And I looked it up and I'm like, I'll be damned. (laughs) That's so funny. We had one of those um, over the weekend as well. We were watching when we were doing our Lord of the Rings marathon. um, Oh, what's his name? Boromir's dad. John, no. Denethor. Denethor comes out. And all of a sudden, we're, we're like, Walter we're really did? Attention. And I was like, is that Walter in a wig? And yes. then I spent the rest of the movie waiting to him for him to ask for a cow in psychotropic It was Walter! <laughs> yes. That was the first time I'd ever seen John Noble act before. I didn't realize it was him the first time I saw it. It, it was so the cool. alternate Walternate. Yes. And it, and you look at it, and you're like, that's what evil Walter would be like. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> totally would be, you're right. Agreed on that one. And on that note... We have we have wasted another hour have talking about absolutely that. cool shit we like. We're really good at that, actually. We are We're actually really good at that. Pretty fantastic at it. We thank you all for listening to us. What's happening in the next couple of weeks, my darling? Well, um, due to tonight's um, guest technical difficulties, snafu, guestical difficulties, guest um, difficulties. In the go. next two weeks, uh, Christy Peterson Schoonover, the author of Bad Apples <laughs> and Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, will appear at some point. And Michael Lane of the Liftport Project will also appear at some, some point. point. <laughs> but we're not sure who is going to be which. 
So you'll have to listen and find out. Stay That's tuned. Right. You heard it here first, or something. Or something. Unconfirmed rumors <laughs> that those are our next two guests. Dead redhead. Speak to us, my darling. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con, GraniteCon, and of ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original artwork from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Doom? Well, it's been an interesting first show of 2013. Lucky 13 it is for us this year. All kinds of new stuff coming up for you in the next couple of weeks. All kinds of announcements, all kinds of special prices, giveaways, clowns, and, and balloons Hi. for the kids. Woo! <laughs> I want to thank our cast for tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and Grammar Girl Zombrarian. Thank you, ladies, for all that you do. Namaria. I can't follow that. You can't. <laughs> so I'll follow it by saying from the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you so much, Dead Redhead. Absolutely. Uh, this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Good night. I know.